Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of It's a Fandom Thing. Um, I'm very excited to welcome back to the podcast author uh, Andrew Dean, who was on last year, almost a year ago, honestly, it's been like close to like, I'd say about nine months when he was on to talk about his debut novel, Surfacing. And this time he's back with a novel about if if you have followed me, I have posted a couple things saying maybe it's not the best idea to read a novel about a serial killer right before you go to sleep, because that's what I've been doing (laughs) (laughs) the past couple of weeks. But I am excited to talk about this because if you know me on this podcast, I do find the subject matter of serial killers very interesting. Uh, So I'm excited to talk about this one. But his new novel is called Chameleon, and it is about Noel Ashby, who is one of the friendliest faces in town, putting a roof over the majority of the population's heads as the go-to realtor of the community. But when it's time to clock out, Noel becomes a recluse, tending to his many hobbies. As his loneliness grows, Noel's need for something new to pursue takes him down a dark rabbit hole he never thought possible. Having no history of violence or mental illness, Noel discovers curiosity alone is enough to push him to horrible lengths. And yes, so it does lead to him becoming a killer which isn't too much of a spoiler because that happens pretty pretty quickly but so um andrew welcome back first of all to the podcast i'm happy to have you back yeah super super happy to be here again great wonderful thank you and i was just wondering first off what was it about uh this subject matter about writing about a serial killer that intrigued you Really what it was is it probably was way back in 2018 when I went to Sundance in Park City, Utah to sell my first movie. And they were screening the new Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron there. Oh, yeah. So uh, I went and saw the movie and uh, unfortunately really disliked it. (laughs) And um, I think out of spite, I was just told myself, you know, I could. I think I could do a lot better than how they, you know, made a movie about, about Ted Bundy. I thought it would be way more intriguing and captivating, but it wasn't. So that's kind of what got me down that. And then, you know, I, I, you know, I love just like you, serial killer movies and pretty much everything to do with them for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, some people take that a, a weird way. <laughs> like, why are you fascinated with that? And I, I just I think it's the whole psychology of it uh, is really interesting to me. And so I'm wondering then, were there any real life serial killers that inspired this character, the character of Noel? You know, I 
I haven't done, I probably have not done as much. I don't, I don't want to say you've done research, but I definitely haven't compared and contrasted as much as I, I would think that maybe you have, but I, I feel that there's a lot of common traits among them. And I really wanted to see if I could make somebody that maybe broke out of that box just a little bit, not too much, but I didn't want to give him any background with like abuse or anything else to kind of use it as a crutch. Um, I think even even myself, you know, people when you get really lonely and you have nobody else in your life, not saying that I do or don't, excuse me, but I would think, you know, just just looking for some sort of drive in life when you feel like you've hit a wall might be enough to get people to, you know, say, you know, I wonder if I could do that. Yeah, and and speaking of that, because this character, what's so interesting to me and and what I found different than a lot of other serial killers or stories about that is the fact that he starts this like later in life compared to the way other serial killers seem to be. Like he just, one day he's watching, you know, the television and there's an interview, like it's on Dateline, an interview with somebody who killed people and it almost seemed like he connected with that person and Mm -hmm. that was like kind of like the trigger so that was just interesting to me to have him start later in life is that why you wanted to do it was to sort of explore if someone could just all of a sudden take that path or yeah that's that's totally right because if i wasn't you know coming off of like childhood trauma or you know you know family abuse then i was like well how am i going to get this to trigger with somebody who's you know approaching 50 and has been at the same job for however long and i really kind of you know did that 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 dateline interview uh esque thing where you know the one thing he says that really you know clicks with noel is you know a new mountain to climb or something to pursue uh, something with no limits. And I think that really resonated with Noel. And I, I figured that'd be the best way to do it, or at least what I could come up with. <laughs> yeah. Cause up until that point, he has those hobbies of like collecting all the coins and building the model yeah. airplanes and all of that stuff. And so this becomes like a new hobby for him, basically. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, every other small thing that he does, you know, eventually, you know, hits its plateau, you know, you've collected all the the knickknacks, you've, you know, you have no more space on your roof or your ceiling for model airplanes, and it's everything comes to an end. So how does how does he find something that he can continuously evolve at and make it more difficult and, you know, this and that. And I know you said that you didn't base him on any real life serial killer or anything, but was there any research involved in, in writing this? Because there are some graphic details in here too. So. If, if there is anybody out that, you know, he does seem like it's because I don't know of any, anybody like him. I'm not saying that there hasn't been Um, just, I'm really only aware of like the bigger profile people, but um, I would say the only thing I researched a lot was how long it had taken like, you know, police or authorities to really catch these people. And it's unfortunately a lot longer than you'd expect. So just when you when you have so much going on, you know, you can get away with a lot in a quick amount of time. But uh, no, I mean, 
I didn't want to make it too overly graphic. I know it hits the gas pedal on that a few times, but I felt like it was necessary, especially being Noel's first time, you know, <laughs> kind of dragging himself through that first instance. But uh, no, really the only, the big research I did was just more like on the, the detective side of things of, you know, protocol and things like that. Yeah. Which, which you, I mean, like what was interesting to me because you do switch to um, the detectives come into play after uh, the first two people that are murdered, that Noel mm-hmm. murders. And that's Detective um, Dietz and then his new partner, Detective Trepp. And they, uh, what was interesting to me was that when you have the meeting, when they meet with an FBI agent, because um, they pretty quickly suspect Noel and they meet with the FBI agent and he's basically saying, well, you're not going to be able to get this guy and I don't yeah. think he's a serial killer. You're just going to have to wait for him to kill more people. That was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I feel like, unfortunately that's how a lot of it, you know, before you can collect more evidence, like unfortunately more bodies need to pile and more tracks need to be left, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what's that show? The first 48, like if they don't catch the guy in the first 48 hours, then it's kind of, you know, the, uh, it's a dead end. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I tried not to make them seem like stupid, but I also don't like when people make every right decision at every turn, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more realistic. They wouldn't, especially if you're dealing with people who have never dealt with a case like this before and they're in a yeah. town where this stuff doesn't happen then I would suspect that you would make a lot of stumbles and a lot of mistakes, but their instincts are always correct though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, you, you know, you can't ignore a gut feeling or when the hair on your neck stands up, but it's, you know, how do you, uh, what's, what's the decision to be made just because you have a tingle, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And Even though, going back to Noel here, even though this is something new for Noel and it seems like, you know, seeing that interview piqued his interest and he related to the person being interviewed. But do you think there was ever a part of him, like even growing up, that maybe he didn't even acknowledge that had this urge all along, just kind of ignored it? Other than, you know, when, you know, you're like you or me or at some point when you get mad enough, you, you know, you just say, I could, you know, I could kill that person. You don't really mean it, but really all that separates us between them is they don't have that shield that says, no, I can't do that. It's just, it's a complete follow through. No, I would say anything other, other than that as a kid. No, I like to imagine he had a pretty normal childhood, but you know, as he, as he gets older, uh, friends kind of move on and fall away. Uh, everybody else evolves and progresses in life, gets married, gets a, you know, a big house except for him. And then, uh, you know, like I said, be, being alone every day after work, it's just, I, I feel like, you know, your own mind can start to really distort things on its own. Yeah. And it seems to me like he had some moments in the very beginning when he's first showing that house and it's like um, when when they're when so I can't remember if it was the husband or wife put back a chair 
and put yeah. it back not the way he wanted it. And so it was almost like he and he was so annoyed with that. Yeah. Angered at that. So it was almost like this frustration at people that he's been doing this so long. He's had to deal with all these people that are beneath him almost. I don't know if that's the way you kind of saw that, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I think even, even myself, maybe not to Noel's degree, but I, I do have an annoying amount of OCD and it does mind boggle me sometimes when like, like I, I go nuts when somebody opens a cabinet and they just leave it open and walk away and it doesn't hurt anybody, but how is your next thought not to close this? So I felt like if I could kind of put a little, you know, a hint of that in there and just over the years, it's been piling up of him having to watch people just, you know, do things that subtly annoy him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that whole um, opening with him doing that, it, it's, it builds a lot of tension though, too, because, you know, you're going in, you you know, what kind of story this is probably going to be. And yeah. the fact that you're, it's told from Noel's point of view at first, that of course changes really mm-hmm. makes you feel uneasy, I think, because I think, and I don't know if you intended this, I think sometimes when you do that, you have an unreliable narrator. It kind of reminded me in a way of, of, of American psycho and how yeah. with Patrick Bateman, whatever he's saying is not necessarily what's happening. Mm-hmm. So is that part of the reason you did it to give that unease? Yes. And, and then also I, I, I wanted to, um, like a, it says something in the opening. I haven't read it since I wrote it, but I, I wanted it to, once we shift, Anytime Noel is doing something and maybe isn't talking, you kind of already know what his inner monologue sounds like and is saying um, fairly dry and sometimes sarcastic um, and very judgmental. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to keep the whole book that way because I, I feel like that would get old really quick. But I, I just wanted to open it that way so you can like get a lot of, you know, sensibility of what this guy's like before we shift away and you're done hearing him talk to himself more or less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it definitely does that. Like, um, and it, and I also, the way he would describe his house and the way other people would describe where he was living and where I could picture it really well. And it was interesting also to have everything be very um, rainy and muddy and he has to deal with the mud like constantly mm-hmm. at least in the beginning. And so it's almost like having someone who you get the feeling wants everything in its right place and cleans cleaning all the time or something like that. And then all of a sudden to have that mud part and then the blood later on and yeah. stuff kind of disrupt that was interesting because it seemed to send him down this weird spiral where like he didn't show up to work and, you know, it was like kind of like it threw a, a wrench in his life. Did you kind mm-hmm. of, I mean, of course it's going to, cause you're killing people, but in a different kind of way where it felt almost like he was no longer in control of himself. Is that. Oh, you mean like uh, the whole garage incident, <laughs> the garage. And then later on when he's, I don't want to give too much away, but when he's yeah. trying to find, that sense that he found when he first started killing people 
but yeah. that sense when he starts doing other things to try and find that gratification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, you know, it's it's like any any tolerance for anything, whether it be, you know, any substance or alcohol, like, you know, at first all you need is a little bit and then it becomes not enough. But then, you know, I, I tried to also make him, you know, not, you know, root for the guy, but also feel a little bad because he is trying to pull himself away from it, you know, by, you know, resorting to other methods, not giving too much away, like you said, but at least doing things to try and get his heart rate up and maybe he can just push past the urge. But, you know, it's, it's once he has that taste for it, how it, you know, none of his other hobbies make him feel, you know, I, I think there's no going back uh, for him at that point. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. And I think he, I don't know if you think he realizes that and doesn't want to admit it. And that's why he keeps trying to do the other things. Yeah. I, um, I, I wanted to present, you know, the, the first instance as, you know, uh, he got himself to do it, but you know, like anybody, you know, uh, you think you can, you think you can quit and you underestimate the power of, uh, obsession. And, um, I don't think any part of him necessarily thought that he was doomed after the first one, but you know, uh, you know, it's a guy almost going through a midlife crisis looking for any reason to exist. And, uh, he happened to find it this way. And, um, you know, no matter how hard he tries, you know, it, it always seems to come back to him at the most uh, <laughs> unfortunate times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was interesting to me to read something where normally, you know, when you hear about serial killers or you hear from people who've, you know, spoken to serial killers or researched serial killers, there doesn't seem to be that um, that feeling of guilt necessarily. Yeah. But he, Noel, definitely struggles with that a lot. Like he seems to try and push it down, but he still has that guilt there. Yeah. And why was that important to you to have that in this character? I think because uh, because I never want to make anybody I write two dimensional. You know, I I uh, I don't know. That's that's one way for me, at least as a reader, to lose interest in whoever I'm reading about as if, you know, they do this and then they feel this way. And there's not even a, a, a sliver of some other feeling about, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But no, I, I wanted, you know, even though, you know, now he's got this urge and this new interest that there's always like, he knows he shouldn't be doing it, but the, the power of, you know, him not ever having felt this type of rush for 40 some odd years of his life. And then now that it's here, like, unfortunately guilt's not going to be enough to stop him. Yeah. 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 And that was just so interesting because it was almost like you were, um, like you said, you don't you don't feel bad for him at all, but it's almost like instilling some kind of interesting, not empathy isn't the right word. Well, but I guess it kind of is, but kind of instilling this weird kind of like feeling bad for him that he even took that first step and which is interesting. Yeah, I, I I always I always see if I can try to split people down the middle or keep you on the fence, maybe with the leg hanging over one side more than other. But I 
definitely don't want people to choose their side right away with him, you know, especially as it goes on. Um, he still tries to maintain, you know, his illusion with people. And uh, <laughs> some people he fools more than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And thinking about it, I, I wanted to actually, I wanted to get to his friendship with Mark, who is his yeah. only friend that he still has. He's had for ever since he was a child. Yes. And they grew up together. And Mark has a wife who does not like Noel. And Mark also has a a, a, a child who does like Noel. Yes. I get the feeling. Um, and I wanted and and I got the feeling that Noel does still really care about his friend, but feels completely shut off from him. What what do you think about their relationship? Where is their relationship really? Um, I mean, that that really I've came natural for me because I have been in a similar such situation, um, you know, where you, you somebody getting married to somebody you're not fond of kind of uh, comes between you. But you're never going to say, hey, you made the wrong decision, like you got to pick me or her. Um, but I mean, it's things are never the way, you know, that they used to be. But people people, you know, grow apart and that's okay. But, um, I think, you know, he's, he's got this new thing that he's pursuing in life, but given that Mark, you know, is always just around the corner from him and has been the only person that hasn't really, you know, left the town. Um, you know, I, I would say that they've always got that really dry, uh, relationship together where they continuously jab each other. And then, um, I think had it not been for giving Mark a son that also likes Noel, I'm fairly certain that the wife probably would have like completely shunned <laughs> Noel from ever coming over. <laughs> yeah, I got that feeling too. And I'm also yeah. one, and I'm also wondering because there is a scene where they um where Mark takes Noel to back to like a place that represented a lot of great memories for them. Yeah. And um, I'm wondering also, does, do you think Mark did, does Mark for you when you were writing him, does he also represent kind of um, Noel's last shred of humanity? Um, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, you know, it's a great way to look at it is that it's really the last, the last splinter of what, you know, Noel, what kind of a person Noel used to be at least, but also at the same time, you know, your Mark's witnessing, uh, Noel's demeanor change and uh, being more outspoken and blunt. And it's very different. You know, he's usually not, not very outspoken and quiet and passive. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's been interesting. It was interesting watching the two of them kind of cross paths, um, because Mark has no idea where where it's coming from or <laughs> or developing from as they're sitting there. But um, no, I think Mark definitely, like you said, resembles like the last piece of uh, perhaps innocence that Noel's holding on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I got the feeling because um, you don't learn you know really too much about like Noel's family or anything like that. But it seems to me that Mark and and Mark's son are basically his family. And so do you think there's a part also of Noel that when that guilt comes in, like I said, I mean, of course I said, you know, he that Mark does represent that humanity, but Mm -hmm. do you think also that guilt is maybe the voice of 
Mark and Mark's son in some way too. Oh, you mean like anytime Noel feels bad, Mark yeah. and Mark and the son come to mind. Um, yes and no. I I mean I think uh, I think he knows that Mark's trying to preserve the friendship as much as possible because he feels the tension the <laughs> the few odd times he's been over to their house. Um, but I mean I would say that uh, you know. At Noel's core, even though I didn't dig into his family, that he, you know, his head's been in the right place and he does have a, a good heart to him. You know, I, I like to think that it's also kind of a heartbreaker to himself that he's, you know, <laughs> ended up here from being a realtor and making people happy. And then now he's, you know, <laughs> doing quite the opposite. But uh, yeah. I said, you know, anybody that gets lonely enough gets desperate just to feel something other than being lonely. Yeah. And that, that feeling something other than being lonely, like um, it also seemed maybe that, um, do you think he was also trying to in some weird, weird way connect to people through this? I mean, yeah, like there, there's a few instances and like one, one scene came almost as I was about to lock it. The, uh, uh, doesn't give anything away when he's talking to the old guy at the gas station later. Yeah, something about riding that high, you know, um, nobody has any idea who he is. But I mean, it's given him a different sense of confidence where he can talk to strangers. Um, and I, you know, I, I think, you know, it's uh, for some reason he's found a need to almost kind of get to know certain people before he does the act rather than just kind of surprise somebody and then get out of dodge um but no i think again that's a that's a good observation that he's become more personable um just because of this kind of new identity that has uh, taken over him yeah and it seems he also gets um a newfound confidence in himself too absolutely yeah <laughs> which is really interesting yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, no, well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you have that level of power over an entire community. Nobody has any idea it's you, but, you know, you know, and that's enough. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there are people that, of course, do suspect it, the detectives. And I want to talk about mm -hmm. the uh, detective deets because you also have a YouTube channel with two videos up there. Um, yes. that go along with this. And, um, cause when I got to that part in the book, I was like, okay, is this real? Is there really, this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was really interesting because I've never, ever seen that in a book before. And I know you are a filmmaker too. So yes. is that, that why you wanted to do the YouTube videos? I, I did, uh, I wanted to, if, if you made it that far, I wanted to, you know, kind of give it as a way to like, <clears throat> put a face to detective Dietz and Noel, then you can kind of see a scene out of the book when they cross paths at Noel's house. And then I also wanted to kind of put, you know, the, the hidden phone call in there um, just as a way to where, I mean, ultimately and admittedly, I, I just felt putting like a phone call in the book, writing it would have been kind of boring and lazy of me. I mean, I probably could have found a better way to do it, but um, I kind of like just being able to do like just jumping mediums and, you know, getting 
you know, a couple of voice actors. And um, yeah, so <laughs> that's where that tangent went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really yeah. interesting. And then watching the video of, because you had already read The Encounter by that time and by that yeah. book. And so reading that encounter, which is the first time that, I mean, it's it, his partner already suspects Noel, but that's the first time that Dietz does is because they're talking and he kind of just, then he gets the, you know, it's the yeah. hairs raised and everything. And, and so seeing that scene was really, really interesting because it played out the way it did in my head, but at the same time, there were things that were a little bit different and and that's just because of the the acting so yeah i'm curious are you then wanting to do more of those videos or do you see making this into a movie then or um i mean it it was like with everything that i'm writing into a book everything i i think we discussed it a little bit on our last talk where everything is already in script format um of course i'd have to go back and you know (laughs) change what i changed in the book but yeah, no, I'd I'd really love to make it just a uh, you know a low budget movie because I mean we we did that with you know <laughs> like six people um, and uh, no I I think I I think I have the right people in mind to play that and uh, hopefully you you being able to see at least the detective's face maybe lend it a little more layer in your imagination going forward after that as well. It did, especially for the detective. It really gave me a different um, picture in my head of him, and yeah. which which I appreciated too. And then being able to hear his voice also, yeah. I think, helped with that too. So, yeah, yeah. I, I the guy that I had, I think he, you know, he's like I said, Deets has you know been you know uh, a cop for you know a couple decades, and you know he wants to be a detective, which requires a certain aggressiveness. But there's always you know a, a kindness behind his eyes, so you want him to do well, but you just you can't tell if he has it in him. <laughs> so, yeah, I was wondering that because um, him wanting to do that, it's interesting to me because it seemed to me. Um, that there is, and maybe it's because he, he's so kind and that's a very, very, um, I would think that would be a difficult thing sometimes to hang on to when you're in that business. Um, because yeah. he does, there seems to be a part of him that doesn't really enjoy what he's doing because of the emotional toll. Do you, did you find that when you were writing him or? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to come from a place where he would he would really be the guy that you'd want to, you know, uh, be writing parking tickets or traffic stops. And now he has to, like, go and see all these horrific scenes and press for answers and be assertive and, you know, intimidating. And you look at him and you're like, it's like, you know, he just looks like a, you know, a teddy bear with blue eyes and a mustache. So, <laughs> um, but I, you know, and then he's got his partner who, you know, is, comes from an aggressive place in the city and he tries to, you know, egg him on and, you know, you know, the rest, but, uh, yeah, no, it was interesting trying to make somebody who's been kind of just all about the peace and the community. And now he's got a different badge on his hip and he has to, uh, catch the bad guys for real. Yeah. And do you think it's also really hard on him too? the fact that the community, I mean, when they have that candlelight vigil and the Mm -hmm. community seems to also be almost turning against him. Do you think that's very hard for him? 
Yeah, I mean, looking out over a sea of faces is everybody probably used to wave to him. And now he's in charge of figuring out uh, who's living among them, just, you know, randomly plucking off one, uh, you know, one community member after another and probably a little confused as to <laughs> as to why they let him be in charge of this. Um, so I, I feel like the pressure of the case, plus, you know, everybody that used to be your friend has suddenly turned on you. And you know, that, that's a weight that would I think would buckle anybody's knees. <laughs> Yeah, and feeling like you um, know, you suspect very strongly who the person is, but it's like the only person that is has his back, which it's good that it's his partner that has his back, but nobody else seems to really have his back on that. So that's also got to be lonely for him. Yeah, I mean, the, the you know, Trep wants him to do well. And also Trep's got his own chip on his shoulder, having, you know, no, no solved cases under his belt. So he wants to, you know, like do things he's not supposed to in order to, you know, bag the man. And, uh, you know, Dietz is, you know, never one to deviate from protocol. Um, and, you know, of course, of course the captain is, you know, the captain, (laughs) um, yeah, hates asking for help and uh, hates listening to hunches, only wants facts. So, yeah, he's kind of under the microscope with only, you know, one cheerleader at his side. Yeah, and a cheerleader, like you said, with, with Trep, who's never had, a, you know, a solved case. And so he's so desperate that, you mm-hmm. know, he does have them first. They break like a huge, huge thing that that if found out, would ruin the whole game. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I felt like it would, you know, it had to be one of them had to, you know, push the boundary in order to try and get things done. And uh, it just would have been a really, really slow, long book if they went like, a, you know, buy the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very true. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because you have, um, you know, you have Noel who's kind of at, at, the end of his rope as far as like with, with his loneliness and with his life. And as you said, uh, feeling like he's also going through like a different kind of midlife crisis here. Um, and then you've also got these detectives who in a way, especially the, the trep character are almost at the end of their rope too. Yeah. Yeah. Were there parallels there that you were trying to Yes. And I, I, I felt like it would be, you know, interesting for everybody to come to their own respective crossroads at some point, you know, where Dietz is trying to be this person that he's never been. Noel is this person that he never thought he was going to be. And then, you know, Trep, <laughs> uh, you know, well, we won't give anything away, but, <laughs> you know, Trep, Trep puts his foot on the gas hard and gets his partner to, you know, go along with his ideas. And, uh, but I, I think, you know, either way, um, like I, I wanted everybody to kind of make their own turn over their new leaf, you know, either for the, <laughs> for the better or the worse, but I didn't want anybody to arrive in the story and leave the story the same as they were, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, and I think you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times with different aspects, but it's kind of, bo- it's boring. If you have that anyway, you're not going to be intrigued to yes. read a story where nobody changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. And where they have, and all the characters should have some dimension to them and not just, you know, two dimensional. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, and, and especially, you know, Noel, you know, thinks he is beginning to get a handle on things and then just one one difficult situation keeps coming after another. So <laughs> Yeah. And I'm Poor curious. Guy. <laughs> I don't know, that goes so far. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. But but I see what you're saying, because it is it is this it is interesting to have a a serial killer, a killer who does I mean the second time you see him murder someone, it's a lot more um, visceral <laughs> than yeah. the other time for sure. And so it's yeah. interesting to read that you're reading that. And then at the same time, you have him also struggling with the guilt over that. And then, you know, you know, so drawing lines, which is really interesting with certain things he won't do. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he, kind of enjoyed and found out rather quickly that it's, you know, you know, more or less a hobby that can be done more than one way. There's no set of directions like everything else he does. You know, he can change his method from one person to another if he wanted to and see if he likes it more than the other, you know, what have you. So I think uh, that that definitely dawned on him a lot quicker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious when you're writing something like this and you are, you know, writing about a serial killer, was there ever um, a point or was there any part of it that was hard to write personally? Like, did it disturb you at all or? No, I'm, I'm pretty good about staying removed from it. Um, I think um, the most important part to me in this and this one at least was um, trying not to make it all, all about uh, the act itself and making it as gory as possible. Um, You know, at least let there be some period where he tries to pull himself away from it, put it behind him and then also um, do more, do more discovery um, with Dietz and Trep, their relationship as well just kind of growing to learn to trust uh, one another because they haven't been working together that long, but uh, no, it, it really, nothing really disturbed me. I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm good at just knowing that uh, everything I write isn't coming from like a place of some sort of hidden urge that I'd want to want to actually do <laughs> any of this stuff, but uh, yeah. no, just, just trying, just trying to hopefully make a, uh, a, you know, succinct to the point, uh, intriguing story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think you did definitely succeed and I do think what I found interesting is some of the more disturbing parts to me were parts when you're not getting too graphic, when you're not necessarily doing that because I think the mind um you know the imagination can be a lot more um disturbing as far as what it pictures and it's <laughs> when you're not having it described oh, that makes sense yeah. yeah well also i mean the time of day that you're choosing to read this aaron well that's <laughs> <laughs> lights that's out very... let's pull out the book <laughs> that's very true i know that's yeah it's on me but yes that's that's true too <laughs> but no i i i i you know i i appreciate that either way if it can if your mind will run with it then that's that's awesome yeah yeah well, great. Well, um, is there anything else coming up that you want to promote or? 
Um, I mean, the the next thing I'm doing is my uh, my continuation of surfacing. I think we briefly touched on that. I'm gonna do that as a. Um, I just figured this out that you can do a. a no, is it novella? No, novellas on yes. Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to do something kind of shorter, so not a full length book. And then I'll go into three more books that are a continuation of it. But I kind of want to put just like a little something in there between the three part thing. But I mean, that's, you know, I'm getting way ahead of myself, of course. <laughs> I still have, I still have yet to release Chameleon, which is uh, April 9th. Um, and market that and all that. So I, I try not to uh, get too busy with writing something else, but I've already started. <laughs> so <laughs> ter- I'm terrible at just waiting around. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that can be hard to do if you've got all the ideas. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I, f- I finished this last month. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? Just like sit around for two months and wait to start marketing it. So I just kind of started writing my next thing. Which isn't yeah. a bad thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, lastly, I'm just curious if you learned anything about um, yourself as as a writer, as a person, or anything that you that you would want to share when writing this. Boy, I mean, every every time it's just that. Uh, even even when I sent you a copy, I was like, I'm sure there's still a plot hole in there, but it's just it's <laughs> it's unavoidable, you know. Um, but uh, no, I think I think I you know I'm just happy that I'm able to stick with what I'm doing, even if it doesn't get off the ground as much as one person might like. You know, um, if I can if I can have no success with any with something and still want to do it, then that's I know I'm doing something that I I actually love. So, but no, every time I finish a book and I still want to do another one, then I know I'm I'm doing the right thing. So, yeah, I I love that. That's the that's a great, great, great way to look at, because that is, if you would do, even if you found all the success in the world, but you would still do that thing, no matter if you did find that success, no matter if you were poor, rich, whatever, then that really does tell you that that is what you're supposed to do. If you can find joy and happiness in it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, I don't want to say a harsh reality, but I mean, when you, you know, you say it out loud, you're like, if I never make a dollar off of this and I still want to do it, then I guess this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, great. And I know the last time we spoke, you're not on social media, correct? That's correct. Still not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And you said, so this, the book comes out on April 9th. April 9th. Okay. Yes. That'll be the one year anniversary of when my last one came out. So, oh, wow. Wow. So that's yeah. like a lucky date for you. Uh, yeah. I just picked it. I was done early enough and I was like, yeah, why not make April 9th a thing? <laughs> I love that though. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, Andrew, for um, letting me read the book and sitting down and talking with me again. It was it was great to talk with you again about this novel. And definitely, if anyone out there, any of our listeners out there, if you enjoy reading stuff about serial killers as well, and if you're a horror fan too, then I do definitely recommend this novel. So thank you so <laughs> much, Andrew. Thank you for having me again. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one 
on Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod, on TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us via our website, it's a fandom thing Click the contact us button there and that'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you very much. And until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.